Hello everyone, and welcome back once again to the Red Dwarf Introcast, where longtime fans and newbies alike journey together into the deepest, darkest regions of space as we talk about Red Dwarf, episode by episode. This week, we're going to be talking about Series 9, Episode 3, Back to Earth, Part 3, This Time It's Personal. Uh, but before we get into that, my name is Heath. I'm Angela. I'm Shane. And this week, we have two special guests. I'm Rosie. And I'm Nick Chess. Yay! Yay! Well, the we have reach, reached the end of an era, folks. After how many episodes have you been on, Nettie? Mm, I don't know, a bunch. Seven, eight, like ten? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, at least one a series. Yeah. <gasps> so this is going to be the, the very last Nettie episode, uh, besides possibly the spoiler cast. Uh so, you know, I, I was going to have Sarah McLaughlin queued up here so we can, I will remember, but, you know, I couldn't get the tape to work. Oh, well. You know, it may not be that easy to get rid of me, Heath. Uh-oh. Is that <laughs> a threat to come on say. Series no 10? No spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> well, we shall see. Well, anyway, uh, you know, we have gone on quite a journey together up until now, and what a lot of folks assumed, from what I understand, to be the last episode of Red Dwarf until, surprise, Series 10 happened. Um, yo, uh, let's, oh yeah, before we, Shane, what's, what's this episode about? Well, I'm taking this particular episode synopsis from IMDb. Alrighty. And IMDb says, quote, Go behind the scenes of Red Dwarf Back to Earth, and it's making no special featuring the interviews with the cast and crew. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right at all. No, it doesn't. Don't you just have IMDb? Well, sometimes. <laughs> so yes, in this episode, then, as we know, they... <laughs> I do have a I do have a proper episode. Okay, you hear it. <laughs> I was going to make one up. <laughs> After finding their creator, that the creator refuses to help them and said he will gun them down in a Blade Runner-inspired chase through the streets. But this defeating his epic meaningless turns on the creator and kills him. Only then does Crichton realize the origami shapes Cat have been making are representations of this world and the world they live in, in which they are fictional characters in a, is an illusion, carried by the ink that squirted all over them when they killed the squid back on Red Wolf. Mm-hmm. They all return to reality, apart from Lister, who decides to stay and have another chance with Kachansky, until they until he realizes he's cool enough and brave enough to return to the real world and win her back for real. Yay. Yay. <laughs> they didn't kill the squid. Yeah, they said they were going to return it to, um, yeah, they they injured the squid. Yeah. They had a tentacle, but they wanted to drop it off at a nearby water moon and make some happy sea life. They just lightly maimed the squid. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, it's it's only a flash wound. <laughs> Come back here and I'll bite your legs off. Um, let's see. Well, we didn't do this. Hey, uh, y- y'all have both been on multiple times before, but just in case somebody has like that syndrome where they forget who they are every day when they wake up. Uh, Rosie and Nettie, would you like to tell folks where else on the interwebs they can find you or may soon be finding you? Uh, okay. Uh, I am... Uh, I have a podcast called Aboard the Night Bus, which is a chapter-by-chapter discussion of the Harry Potter books, and also a new podcast called Know This, which is about everything geek, which I am doing with Jonathan Capps, um, and will be out on the internet fairly soon. Woo-hoo. And <laughs> Nettie? 
you, you see, Rosie, uh, podcasting is addictive. You can't just have <laughs> one. I am the host and producer of the Nutty Bites podcast. You can find that at nimlast.org. Org, along arg. with arg. Arg. Oh, the pirate uh, I wish I could get dot arg. That would be great. Um, <laughs> along with all of the other podcasts that I am on, uh, a weekly pod music podcast, Run for Your Life. I am an often co-host on Epic, which is another geek podcast, and Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. Cooking with Nutty, a holiday treat podcast. Um, <laughs> just you wait are you kidding I've had people ask me to do baking podcasts awesome alright um, well so this episode uh, I gotta say I was a little worried uh, during the first part of the episode mm-hmm. um, so the last time I had said that I, I hadn't picked up on the Blade Runner thing and it, it had been a several several years since I saw Blade Runner this episode, I definitely would have picked up on it fairly early on. Um, they are laying it on thick. They really do. <laughs> they are. Yeah. Yes, yeah. they are. <laughs> uh, so that, I would say, sort of becomes a weakness of the episode for me. But um, I think it redeems itself near the end, maybe. So we'll see what other folks think. Does okay. it redeem itself when he's dressed like Decker? Because <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love that. Well, you know, know, trench coats, man. I mean, everybody looks good in a trench coat. As I look at my 150-pound trench coat hanging behind my door. <laughs> nice. I've taken to wearing um, my Mad-Eye Moody uh, cosplay trench coat just as a coat and get lots of compliments on it. It's like, wow, nice coat. And like, if you only knew, <laughs> it's supposed to come with a creepy leather vest and staff of power and fake eye and... <laughs> anyway. Indeed. Yeah, but Indeed. Moody's got a good some good taste in coats. He does. He does. It's just yeah. you never notice uh like once Heath got the costume and we looked at it in the movies, he's wearing this creepy bondagey leather jacket underneath yes. <laughs> his vest. That's got oh, now you need to buckles. get that. Oh, well, I have oh, I had it because it. I ordered ordered the costume from a costume maker, and it came yeah. with with this vest too. And I was like, "How did I not notice that Moody was wearing this?" Because you were just looking at his eye. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and then he was like, "I'm never gonna wear this." And you know how we we'll just put it in the closet. <laughs> well, and you know how we were talking about how there's like very little cold weather here in the South. So mm-hmm. trying to go to Dragon Con in Atlanta in a hundred degree heat, wearing a leather vest and a trench coat. Doesn't work. Just doesn't. No. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. anyway. Uh, back to Red Dwarf. Yay! Yay! Um, Yay. Back to Coronation Street. Coronation oh, Road. Coronation nice. Road. Back to Coronation it, it, Road. It, it, it is so heavily Blade Runner and Coronation Street themed, but I still maintain that it doesn't matter. It's still a very good episode without that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. I really haven't. I mean, Coronation Street is such a big thing in the UK, and I haven't seen it. I know of it because it's a massive, massive thing, but it didn't matter. I still very much enjoyed Red Dwarf in this respect. Yeah, so. uh, I never used to, sorry, I never used to watch um, Coronation Street myself. I was too busy watching Doctor Who on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. I was very busy doing that as well myself. That may be a good starting point for us because, well, as you know from me calling it Coronation Road, I know uh, nothing about <laughs> Coronation Street. So, is it what sort of what's Coronation Street? Well, it's a soap. Yeah, it's, it's a sorry, it's Shane. A so, so yeah, yeah it's, it's basic. It's a soap that runs, I believe, five days a week. Now it's at six. It's one of the two. Okay, I don't. Oh. I don't particularly watch it myself. So but it's sort of so a sort of Days of, of Our Lives. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But it's been going on forever, yeah. right? Sort of yeah. like Days of Our Lives. Yeah. 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 They like it's 60s. Yeah, most of our soaps, like Days of Our Lives, started out as a as a radio show and then transferred over to TV when it became popular. Which, you know, radio shows in America are, you know, the really old ones. We didn't keep it going Oh, yeah, on. that's right. Yeah, we don't do those anymore. I wish we did. Um, yeah, I check out your local community radio. We don't have any. <laughs> well, then, as local as you can get, that's where yeah. you're gonna find radio, you know, or podcasts. Yeah, there pretty much podcasts. Yeah. That's bringing it back. Um, <laughs> so we start off on Coronation Street, uh, and we get a nice little landing sequence with this with Carbug. Yeah, oh, that was fantastic. Uh, what that do you think like, of Carbug? Oh, we loved Carbug. Oh, we loved Carbug. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I want Carbug. <laughs> like, seriously, uh, yes. if you're going to get that kind of car, it has to be done up like Carbug. I love that it's got the second steering wheel and it's a Fisher-Price one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want Carbug so badly. Yeah. <laughs> and if you notice it, it, it it's, what is it, uh, Bug One or whatever? Mm-hmm. And from correct me if I'm wrong, Shane and Rosie, uh, Vanity plates in the UK are extremely expensive and quite rare. Mm-hmm. Yes? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So oh. the fact that they got Bug One uh, just speaks volumes to this fan club pl- president. <laughs> awesome. You might, I should point out you might not want it after they finish filming. Uh, basically what happened was they got on set and somebody re- realised they had locked the cars inside the, the sorry they had locked the keys inside the car ah that happens <laughs> so <laughs> one of the crew had to use a hammer to break through a small pane of glass to get to the keys <laughs> no use a coat hanger <laughs> do, do, do they not have OnStar <laughs> exactly <laughs> Or, you know, a locksmith. Call a locksmith! I almost said it. Oh, my goodness. I heard you Robin start. Robin Hood mid in tights. Mel Brooks, man. Um, so, yeah, they land Carbug, uh, lock the keys promptly inside. Um, and then they see who I'm assuming must be an actor on Coronation Street. Who Who is the gentleman that we meet there? That. That dude. Oh, sorry, sorry, Simon Gregston. Sorry. Yes, who's he? He's a uh, he's a character in Coronation Street. I think awesome. he's got the oldest running character, isn't uh, he? Oh, I, one of the oldest running. I don't know if he's one of the old. I know he's been in Coronation Street since. Ooh, uh, so. I'm going to go ahead and say he's one of the oldest running characters. <laughs> there you go. I think he was on as, as, as a child, and uh, yeah, he's very much grown up with it, and he's amazing. Yeah, he oh. did a really good job. I know he's been on. Sorry, I know he's been on the Coronation Street since 1989. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And I know Coronation, Coronation Street is the only television program he had been in up to this point. Yeah, he really reminded me of, um, or I guess I should say this guy reminds me of him, going chronologically, but uh, the the character that they brought in on Misfits uh, to replace uh, the fellow who left, um, or what's his name, Rudy? Yeah. Rudy, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, just something just about... the way he spoke. Yeah. Oh, and they kind of favor. I don't get it. I don't see it. Okay. I propose nothing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but he did a really good job. He he was amazing in this episode, I think. And was Craig Charles on Coronation Street at this point then? Yes, he was. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, that that's why uh, I wasn't irritated with this, because it's not like they were doing an homage to Coronation Street or anything like that. It's not like it it's not like the Blade Runner thing where it was like there's no reason for it and it's sort of taking over the episode in some ways. It was there's a legitimate reason to go to Coronation Street. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, I but, sh- sorry, Shane. So, sorry, sorry, I should point out up to this point, um, no other show apart from the news has filmed on Coronation Street. Oh neat. Cool. I actually was kind of surprised because I'd, I'd always heard of Coronation Street, whatever. You know, it's just kind of pop culture. I didn't actually think that they filmed on the, uh, an actual street or that, that, you know, that they would be hanging out in the bar. Or if you walked into the convenience store, people would know where the actors were. Like, that kind <laughs> of filming just doesn't happen over here. It doesn't happen over here either. Oh, okay. So this is special. <laughs> they were they were they were they were maintaining continuity. Okay. Oh, okay. Wait, what? I'm confused. Uh, we're talking about Red Dwarf, right? Uh, Who's eating this chicken? <laughs> 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 yeah. Bas- basically, what happens is that they've got the outside mm-hmm. in on Coronation Street, then they've got all the sets. Um, on the same stage, or what we would class as what we would class as the same stage. Mm-hmm. So you've okay. so you've got so you've got. I mean, I don't know how it works inside, but you've got the cabin set, literally quite literally opposite the rover's return set. Mm-hmm. You know, they're literally. You know, they can literally just walk across the floor, and you're there. So they're just okay. Maintained. So it's more along the lines of the way that shows in, in, in America are filmed. Yeah. You know, for instance, Law and Order, they do all their scenery shots in New York, but everything else is on a sound stage. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Because I'm sitting there, I'm like, do they act like, is this just some weird Britishism? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. you guys do fun. It was like the Truman Show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the, the guy who was in there is Truman. He doesn't realize that yeah. The show revolves around him. <laughs> yeah. But there so, was a lot of speculation as to, or questions as to why they didn't go to um, anything else that Robert Llewellyn or Chris Barry had I done. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, I was a little let down that the only actor-to-character meeting was, was Lister and Craig Charles. Uh-huh. Um, and I have a theory on that. <laughs> okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, I was just going to say that Robert Llewellyn particularly... I, I think I'm going to be mean here. I suspect that if he was out of the mask, he wouldn't be an incredibly good actor. 
he's very good at being his, himself. Hmm. But um, I mean, they could have come and, uh, gone and seen him on Scrap Heat Challenge, for, for example. But acting wise, uh, um, I don't know, not so much. Now, when this was filmed, was was Chris Barry doing British Empire or anything else like that, or no? No, British no. Empire had finished by this point. Chris ah. Barry is probably doing something very similar to Robert Llewellyn, which was sort of big car shows mm. or big machines. Channel 5, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, nothing but, nearly as fun as, say, Coronation Street. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that, it just makes sense. Besides, I think this, this whole miniseries is really more about Lister and and it's actually giving uh, Craig Charles a chance to show off that hey look I've learned a thing or two he really yeah, has and he, yeah he definitely has yeah no. yeah whether it fits or not it's um, another question and and this is sort of skipping ahead to the whole theme of it but um, I'm a little aggravated because it finally did what I had been saying it should be doing for years when they had him and Kachansky together and on the show they should have had his newfound goal of establishing that relationship. They mm-hmm. barely talked for all practical purposes while she was a character on the show. They had two or three good conversations and the rest was just occasional uh, one-liner swaps. And I really felt like that's where it should have gone with Lister realizing that that's what he wants out of life and pursuing it. And they finally did that here, but a little too late yeah. it would seem. So, oh well. It's not too late. It's never too late. He can get back with her. He's quite cool. But yeah, I really felt that they should go Sam and Diane. The classy, intelligent woman and the more streetwise, like charming layabout guy and, and, and where that relationship comes from. But anyway, I'm just going off on fan fiction now. So let's get back to the actual show. Um... <laughs> Where everybody knows your name. Indeed. Uh, so let's see. Yeah, they meet up with Craig Charles. I like that uh, Lister thinks Craig Charles is a bit of a smeghead. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. from there, they go to a version of London that... Or, no, where do they go? Is, it is London. Chinese. Okay, yeah, because, yeah. Yeah, yeah the establishing shot is London. Futuristic Chinatown like... and London. <laughs> Because that's there. Well, that's more of this whole Blade Runner thing. I know. But can we talk I about know. the fact that no he's got a pyramid in the middle of yes. London? Mm. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the ad on the building. If nothing else yeah. would have tipped me off. That right there. Yeah. And then the long, scary uh, elevator ride. So, Rosie and Shane, what, what is it like seeing buildings that don't belong I don't know. Yes. Because <laughs> oh, it's your country. Like, you you have more of a stake in it. I know that if I saw a pyramid in the middle of Manhattan, I it, it would probably strike a chord with me. Yeah, it very much it struck me as unnatural. Mm. But, mm. Um, yeah. Ah, London's a big city that I haven't really been to. <laughs> In the photography world, we refer to that as nature faking. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) 
Go ahead, Shane. I was going to say, considering I've never actually looked at London from that particular perspective, because that was actually filmed on the London Eye. That uh, that particular shot was uh, was taken from the London Eye. Over the bridge has an eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a huge tower, <laughs> so and huge, fiery, littlest eye, and yeah, what? Not any, <laughs> uh, not any more, doesn't Rosie? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that was actually. Yeah, they went on. They went on the London Eye, and actually, uh, they actually got that shot, and they uh, put in the pyramid thing afterwards. Okay, I'll go ahead and ask it explicitly. Hey, Shane, what's the London Eye? The <laughs> <laughs> London Eye is a big Ferris within the centre of London. Oh, yeah, the Ferris wheel that's on. Oh, that, yeah, that yes. It's like right. featured in all the photography of London nowadays. Yep. Gotcha. <laughs> I did not know that it was called the London Eye. Like, I was picturing, I was literally picturing, like, a big tower with... Maybe an eye thing. <laughs> oh my goodness! Like, is it gotten this big brotherish? It's the eye of Saruman. Yes. Uh, Besides, that's just okay. an, it's an alien transmitter, anyway, as we know. But yeah, exactly. Um, yes. <laughs> so they go. It's, and, it's, um, oh, it's, okay. I should, it's, sorry, I should point out it's actually Europe's tallest Ferris wheel. Oh. Neat. I figured, but anyway. So where, yeah, did they the the where did the Manchester Eye come in that particular survey? Uh, I don't know. As I said, it doesn't exist anymore. Oh, but it did exist. It did exist, but <laughs> I don't know that off the top of my head, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, they get to the top of the Pyramid of London, and... <laughs> they, uh, I love the the the, the foyer there, uh, just sort of the creepiness of it. And it, I remember these scenes because they were what I really liked about Blade Runner. Actually, um, very reminiscent of it. I love the doorbell uh, making. Oh my the god, the doorbell! Boom, 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 boom. The doorbell. I want that the doorbell. Most important thing. Ever. I want that doorbell on my house. <laughs> and, the doorbell. And the little munchkins as yes. his little creepy butlers. Yes, that were terribly scary. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely awful. awesome. The <laughs> ticking, you know, of their clockwork, mm-hmm. I think is, is the creepiest part of them. And then when they speak, because they don't sound like they did in uh, Blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they, they yeah. did use, they, they were children, weren't they? Mm. they? They were, yes, they were. Yeah, okay. Were they the By the way, go back to another episode I was on. Woohoo! Ooh, yeah, yeah. Ah. I was asking, were they the best Moppets? <laughs> oh, probably not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what we dubbed uh, the children on the bus, the little exposition kids, as bus Moppets. Yeah. But, um, let's <laughs> see then. So, yeah, they finally meet their creator, who I was disappointed to see was not actually... Uh, Doug Naylor. And everybody was at the time. Oh, that would have made this the yeah. most epic thing ever. But then yeah. there are some people who work in TV uh, on the creative side who can't act to save their lives. And I think that was very much the reason. 
I oh. think it, it was it was a question at the time, would he come on it? And eventually he pulled out and just went, no, I can't do that. So, um, you know, I'm sure somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but <laughs> yeah, I think that was the reason. And well, fair enough. I mean, have you ever heard Stephen King try to read one of his own books? Oh, gosh. And he thinks well. he's so great at it. I don't know that he does, but he's he's not <laughs> great at writing them. But uh, yeah, not not a good reader of his own books. He hires really good <laughs> readers for the Dark Tower series anyway. But um, yeah, so I felt like though that that was that was a little bit of a letdown because I would have liked to have seen him and or at least more of a send up or a caricature of him than let's just adapt the script from Blade Runner here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because like later on, I was a bit more forgiving of the whole Blade Runner thing. Just because the the payoff for the whole thing was so good, and but even then, I'm just like, y- you do realize that the show's not Blade Runner, right, yeah. guys? Yeah, right? I, yeah. Ab- yeah. I right? absolutely agree with you. It, it through the whole two parts, it, well, the first one and two, I had been forgiving it, and it just a lot of fans say that the third part is the best one of the three. And I can't agree because it's it's fan pleasing to the point if you like Coronation Street and Blade Runner. <laughs> well, but um, I think I think in the third part they really hang a lantern on it. They do. And had they, they actually had that happen, it would be horrible. But because it's just him reading the script, it ends up actually being kind of cool. Oh uh, yeah, the and the murder, fact that you mean, downstairs yeah. it doesn't actually look like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The murder was a bit <laughs> creepy to watch, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah. I thought, oh, uh, and but before we got to that, though, we got the whole his description of their death scene and the chase through London futuristic Chinatown, and <laughs> that uh, that particular scene featured most of the um, most of the people who run the Red Wolf fan club. Okay, I wondered, yeah, that's but, where we started picking up on. Hey, there's random people around. Maybe they're the ones. Now you, uh, yeah. Okay, so I think you had hinted that somebody that we know was in that scene. So you can go ahead and tell us now. It was. It went by too fast for us to recognize anyone. Well, the people that you don't know, let me get those out of the way first. We've got mm-hmm. James the Chairman. He's wearing the gimp mask. The, 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 sorry. James the Chairman. He's wearing the gas mask. The gimp um, mask? No, the gas mask. <laughs> Are you Sorry. a memory? <laughs> <laughs> and walks past the camera during the chase. And at various points, you can see Jenny, Kaz, and Sharon, who are all no longer with the club. Hmm. But who's the one we know? That would be uh, that would be Joe Sharples, who is actually also in our group. Yay! Okay. And right, and right at the start. Uh, there's also a man at a store wearing a conical conical Chinese hat that is Andrew Allard ex-official website editor and script editor for Back to Earth and Series 10 neat 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 yeah it was it was all running by too fast for us to even begin to recognize anyone but yeah Yeah, intense scene now the the 
breaking through like 30 panes of glass. <laughs> okay, yeah. I laughed at that. That had to be that's... sorry, that had to be done in one take. Uh, that's... Sorry. So no no you go ahead. Well, I was saying that's not just a um reference, that's like a send up. Mm. Yeah. Which you know is how you do a reference well. That was um, sugar glass, candy glass, or whatever you want to, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. And because it's so, f- they had two, they had two sets. And because the stuff is so fragile, soon as it was placed in, it smashed. The first set smashed. Mm-hmm. So the hatch was on the second, on the second set. Mm. So they could only, they, they only had one chance to do it. Yeah, one thing that I did notice in that scene, though, and I don't know why, it usually wouldn't bother me, but that was the fakest looking snow that I have ever seen. <laughs> does it really snow in London? <laughs> no, I don't think it does. It's all down to global warming and artificial lightning. Uh, li- lighting. <laughs> lightning. Lightning. <laughs> Wait, how does artificial lighting affect snow? Well, it affects the weather. I mean, global warming, but... Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) No, I'm just... No, you turned on a lamp. It's not going to snow anymore. Okay, well, there are a lot of... um, There are a lot of outside artificial lights in London. And it affects the weather. Oh, okay. The end. (laughs) I did not know that. Well, I think so. Yeah, it's sort of very congested with traffic and... um, fumes and everything else so they tend not to experience the same sort of weather that we do Weird. in bake up <laughs> is that the inconvenient truth of london yes it is <laughs> london sucks <laughs> note that the opinions of rosie do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the red Wolf intro cast <laughs> <laughs> also Oh, wait, what to say here? Uh, let's see. So we had the fake glass. I'm my mommy. Uh, we had people <laughs> in gas masks. Um, hey, my impression was better than that. Oh, that's yeah. a recording. <laughs> yeah, but her impression was a lot better. It was. It was. Um, let's see. What do we get from there? They hit the ground. Okay, then it turns out, oh, no, that's not really what's going to happen. Uh, because I did love the the scene, the cat catching the gun. Yeah. And, and grinning. Uh, and, yeah, and the grin. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That makes it. priceless. Yes. So cat-like. And he's not surprised at catching it at all. Oh, no. Yeah. He's just like, oh, of course, I'm that cool. I'm not sure if they did it with that catch. I did notice that for the gun coming out of Cat's hand and going back to the creator, then they used a nice reverse film trick. Mm-hmm. I think they did for, I didn't I think they did that for both actually. Cool. Cool. So see, that's a good use of running the film backwards. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let it be known. We approve we're, of this running film backwards. We're back to that six seasons later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well you've got a point. <laughs> typewriter yes oh yeah they get to delirious with john candy yes <laughs> from last action hero to delirious which if people haven't seen that 
they should go watch that because that is hilarious. It, it was hilarious. It and, and this was not. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, I did feel, I did feel like they went a bit far with Lister wantonly torturing people. Yeah. Well, it went on It was too one long. thing with the groin shots, but it's like, all right, enough. Yeah. yeah, enough is enough. Yeah. Like, the rakes were kind of funny because you had Cat laughing at Crichton and then getting hit in the face. That was fine. But Rimmer, over and over again, it was like, okay, I, I get the joke. Thanks. Yeah. Oh my god, this is Family Guy epic drawn out joke and you're killing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did like when he was hopping around and go, dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if he would have done that and then slammed his 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 crotch into the desk a couple of times, that would have been funny. But yeah, trying to make a a long gag out of it with speeding up the film, it it, it went a bit south. Yes. Um. Oh, before that though, yeah, I did. So it was a bit shocking, and I didn't really like the idea of seeing Lister kill someone by crushing their skull because Lister is now superhumanly strong like a replicant question mark but um, that was weird <laughs> but, think- but his acting during that uh, was yeah. fantastic yeah but I think it was uh, like all the fans said you know that wasn't Lister and it wasn't Lister and it the was- whole point behind that was that it, it was it was a Blade Runner reference yeah yeah and so for no reason <laughs> Yeah, for no reason, and and it was rubbish. To be fair, yeah, I mean, they, they <laughs> explained it after, and I wasn't particularly bothered by it, you know, with the explanation and everything. But just I thought that he acted it fantastically. I've got a question. What other comedy program would you see a main character kill a, kill another um, person in two episodes in a row? Ooh, let me think. Archer, Hitchhikers, probably. I'm sure Archer kills somebody pretty much every episode. Uh, Star Trek. Barry? <laughs> Star Trek's not a comedy. Oh. Well, sometimes it can be. Roger. Uh, <laughs> oh. Do not even. We just saw the one where Tuvok was stranded on a planet with adorable little children, and it was beautiful. What? Anyway, what is it, Jane? No, it's just that was just a random question. Oh, it was a rhetorical question. <laughs> oh, yes, God. it was a rhetorical. We're question. going. I don't know. What's he referencing? <laughs> Blade Runner, because every reference is Blade Runner. Oh, comedy shows with murder. Yeah, unusual, unusual. Uh, but yeah, they do the typewriter thing, and man, and then yeah, it comes down to it. I, I hate though they reference the the spare squid, which yeah. Um, I wish that they would have at least made some passing reference to Better Than Life, since they've been in this exact situation before. Mm-hmm. Being trapped in um, an idealistic situation and being unwilling or unable to escape it. Yeah. Or idyllic. Think, yeah, there we go. Wasn't that a given? I don't, I don't know. Well, yeah, well, I mean, they talk about, but they were talking about it in terms of the despair squid. I don't know why they didn't reference yeah. better than life if they were because they were just making all of the old references that they could in these last few minutes here. But I felt mm-hmm. like that was a glaring omission. Yeah, but that was a, a, a complete reference to that episode. And but the characters they, didn't talk about it like they were the others. Yeah, 
Yeah, they didn't, they didn't say, oh, well, you remember when blah, 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 we were in this other situation, and it was almost exactly like this one? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. But they... I mean, if you're going to focus on in-universe continuity, go whole hog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think that was very much the theme. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, going back to um, episodes that we loved mm-hmm. again and trying to bring big, bring things back. And I will go into that in a minute when Kat starts to do his stupid skit. Yeah. Speaking of bringing things back, after the <laughs> others fade away, Kachansky appears. Yay. And I'm I'm going to make a supposition here. Okay. So she shows up and they do the blurry film, again, Blade Runner reference, but they film her pretty much exclusively from the neck up or then in a heavy coat later from the chest up. Was she perhaps <laughs> pregnant at the time or is there a reason why they didn't want to show her entire body on film? Not as far as I'm aware. I don't think she was pregnant, no. Okay. I just felt that it was odd that they went all close-ups with her. Yeah. Like, and whenever they did pull back, it was showing her in this big coat. It just reminded me all the tricks they use uh, to hide that an actress... Yeah, sculling. (laughs) Or, you know, on How I Met Your Mother, when both female characters or female actresses were pregnant, and so there were lots of coats... Lots of pillows. <laughs> Carrying so, um When you saw Kachansky, mm-hmm. did did you re- like did you recognize her as the actress right away? Yeah. Um okay, because I love that actress. Well Tex said to me, he's like, She I she doesn't even look like Kachansky anymore. I don't know. She just looks so different. And I'm like, I I thought she looked like Kachansky, but she looks more like Kachansky in her red uniform because her hair's all dark. And he yeah. he's like, yeah, I don't, I didn't even realize it was the, the same actress. The hair was also a Blade Runner reference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. but and yeah. see, I was fixated on this idea that she may have been pregnant, so I was trying to make her face like fuller, and <laughs> it wasn't. It was quite gaunt. Yeah, yeah. It's just and, weird and, ankles. I don't know. Yeah, and it was such an incredibly well kept secret. It was nobody knew. That might be why it was all close-up shots, because then yeah. they had to, they didn't have to have as many crew. Hmm. And yeah. it's it so hard to keep. Crew. Yeah, it's so hard to keep a a secret like that nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Unless you know you like flat out lie to the fans and then go back and say, "No, no, I was only joking." Like some showrunners. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, Moffat. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Moffat, I, mean, Moffat's I haven't been an- watched it yet, so don't spoil oh, I'm, me. I'm, he's just been annoying me with some of the ways that he's handled um, fan inquiries in the press lately. Don't listen to him speak because he'll ruin ed- anything. Just watch his show <laughs> yeah. and enjoy Oh, we don't, ordered don't t- him ruin it. We ordered t-shirts, though. So has ever- have you seen um, the last episode that ran of Sherlock? Yes. Okay. We've ordered t-shirts that have a diagram of Sherlock falling off of a roof, the TARDIS catching him, and then putting him back. Yes. (laughs) My other favorite is uh, the trampoline. Oh, yeah. There was a trampoline at the bottom. Yeah. 
Nice. Oh, my favorite is the long video called uh, Benajump Cumberfall. Yes. Oh, it has him following. You have to watch yeah. it. Yes. We will send a link out, the, out of that. Yes. So, Red Dwarf. <laughs> He's not Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, the only thing missing, though, I felt like they were doing so, working so hard to tie up all the loose ends and at least get to an ending point if this was going to be the last one. I really was a bit let down that they couldn't find a way to get one or both of the Hollies on. Just just a little. I, I know, though, it's it's hard to yeah. ask an actor to you know, take time off and pop up on screen for five seconds and but Yeah. Yeah, I think they they pretty ah. much run out of budget by this point. Um and so neither were welcome. And it's yeah. a terrible thing. But yeah, they, they wasted all their money, really, I think, on terrible special effects. But I think they did a very good job with Back to Earth. Mm. Yeah. I mean they they didn't uh, have much money to begin with. I mean, they did this on basically no budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Free. Uh, let's see. <laughs> so yeah, which uh, is why we've got all the fans in there because they've got yes. no budget. We don't have to pay fans. <laughs> I love it. They're better than actors. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was it was just such a good thing to happen for fans that had waited for sort of ten years, mm-hmm. and even though you know all the actors were older and it was so different, I can excuse every single thing for that because I think for what they had, it yeah they did an incredibly good job. Yes, and Lister's scene where he leaves Fake Tachansky for to go back to the real world um, was. Brilliant. Uh, that's probably the best acting cra- I've seen in the whole series for Craig Charles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I, what I actually love about that particular scene is when they get out of the car, you've got Lister walking through a dead forest, mm. and behind Kachansky, you've got frilly green trees. Mm. Yeah. I have never noticed that. Yeah, don't ruin it, Shane. <laughs> No, no, it's, 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 it's so sad because she's leaving the joyful world yeah. and heading towards despair and yeah. and loneliness, yeah. and she's in joy. So, yeah, yeah, that's it. It's a metaphor. <laughs> What's a metaphor? A for, for explaining things. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, they wake up, they find out, oh, the despair squid did everything. Kremlin Kate was never real. Um, and uh, we find out the origin of the despair squid being on the ship which was cat because fish <laughs> I'm gonna eat you little fish just the looks that they gave him oh and I hate that it's really awful I it's didn't just mind so- it oh god it, it just seems so out of uh, out of the show that we're at now that we're going right back to series, oh no, season one. Yes. And, uh, series one. Season series one, one, episode two, Future Echoes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I actually liked it. It's, it's, it's neat. It's, um, you're, you're, I don't know. I, I like it. And it's very, no matter how far Cat comes, he's still a cat. Yeah, he's and, a, he's a oh yeah, I forgot. Though, how does a squid escape? 
It's cat. Yes. <laughs> That's all we need to say. Oh, man. Yes, it's cat. My goldfish ran away. My my only problem with Cat in the entire episode is how sudden he's like, why do I keep making these things? I really feel like somebody else should have said, what is that? Why do you keep making those? Uh, but see, he was it, he was scripted to do it. So no, wait, he wasn't. But it's, it's that's the only problem that I have with Cat throughout the entire, you know, miniseries is, mm. is just the why. You know, why Why would he come up with that? Somebody else should have said that. But, yeah, I'm going to eat you, little fishy. I love it. <laughs> the only problem I had with Cat was in episode one, where he seemed rather joyful that um, Rimmer was going to die. I mean, I know they always pick at each other and get on each other's nerves, but that's always been what I liked, is that when it really comes down to it, everyone is protective of each other. They worked as a unit, but in that episode one, that was not there. Well, they, that was early cat. He had just gotten over killing his people to make his clothes. No, no, this he was. was thinking, I'm, I mean, I could uh, make ep- a really cool rumor outfit. I mean, uh, episode one of series nine. Oh, back to I see what you one. Mean. And they're all bitter. They were her. I, I guess that that kind of upset me. But anyway, that, I mean, even even Lister was like, "Yeah, I like her." It's like, wait, but what? Yeah. Yeah, and the only thing I would say about Cat in this episode, or Danny John Jules, is that he is the one that has stuck to his acting. He's absolutely the same as he was for and better or for worse. And he's barely aged. He is barely aged. Yeah. And, and, and he pulls off the role fantastically. Um, and can still and wear that suit. He, exactly. Yes. yes. <laughs> And not just that suit, that purple one. I oh know. my goodness! <laughs> and Craig Charles, Charles and Chris Barry have perhaps um, matured above the roles, and so the writing doesn't quite fit them. Mm. End of rant. But <laughs> maybe one more thing about the lavender sw- swimsuit. Um, not even Abba could pull off that suit. And somehow that <laughs> does. Well, they. Um... Ended up and uh, they decide that if somebody were to be told that uh, they were in the real world and that they were a show, they would just laugh and ha ha ha. I like it. Um, and the series ends. And, and I like they brought in the, the final theme song as Lister sort of came back to the ship. Um, they bring in the opening theme. And I really felt like, despite I was a bit aggravated by some of the Blade Runner stuff, but I felt like as a whole... It was a fitting tribute to Red Dwarf, uh, and and it, and a solid enough ending. I felt like if the series, if if this were the end of Red Dwarf, I wouldn't. It wouldn't have left too bad a taste in my mouth. It would have been, I would have been okay with it. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. loved it. Yeah, because it, it it was something very very different for Red Dwarf fans, and and so it's probably difficult for you and Angela to digest i expect because it came so soon after the other series yeah whereas we were waiting you know for 10 years or whatever um but the end of series nine left us thinking oh good they've done that it was good and now back to red wolf (laughs) (laughs) also it's certainly different for his ninja because of course we watched three episodes over three days yeah, Shane. I feel like... Making us watch it over three weeks. 
Well, if it helps any, if if you guys watched it all at once, I wouldn't have been able to record with you. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, I do feel like it would have been a better watching experience anyway, just to watch it all straight straight through. Um, mainly because it also it, would be the podcast that never ends. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know. We could we would gloss over part one really quickly because, in the grand scheme of things, part one is utterly forgettable. Put next to yeah. two and three, as as far as I'm concerned. True, I often forget it. But, oh yeah, they were finding a squid. They yeah. were wearing All right, squid. Kremlin yeah. Kate. Yeah, remember her? If it had been yeah. a regular episode, the whole fighting the squid setup that would have been about five minutes, and the rest mm. of the episode would have been episodes two and three. <laughs> yes. And the entire yeah. CSI sequence as well. Oh, <laughs> holy crap. Kremlin <laughs> Kate and the poofy hair of science. <laughs> and I guess I got irritated with Kremlin Kate because I was halfway suspecting she was being brought on to replace Kachansky. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, I don't want to see that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I'm glad that was not so. Mm. You know, I didn't think about that. I guess that that is part of my annoyance with her. Yeah, it's like Kachansky's gone, and then who's this chick? What's up? <laughs> when when I first saw it, um, which isn't that long ago, by the way, uh, I only saw this just a couple of years ago. Um, when I first saw it, I just thought, yeah, she's not sticking around. She's got an accent. Not <laughs> 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 have an actor put on an accent for that long, you know? Oh. It's just not gonna happen. Or, That's over true. time, their accent can just completely drop until it's gone. And they can yeah. be a ship's counselor. <laughs> First season Troy, man, on TNG. Captain, I have this very bizarre accent. Like, What was she? I don't know. They had many plans for her, and it was kind of sad. Like, for instance, they made her wear these horrible contacts that really hurt her, and they told her it's because she's Beta Z. Mm. And then Michelle Barrett was on, and she didn't have to wear them. And they're like, oh, no, well, we're not going to do that to Jean's wife. This is, no, no. And then, and no other Beta Z ever had to wear those contacts ever again. And it's like, what, what, why is Deanna having to wear those horrible contacts? Well, the one guy uh, in Voyager, uh, the half Beta Z that was insane, he had him. Judah. Yeah. Oh, I... Voyager's not part of my mental <laughs> I mean, it's there, but only a few episodes. Well, so. Shane, to constantly hurl insults at Voyager, you have a better recollection of it than anybody. <laughs> yeah, because he's got enough of a, a background in it. Um, but yeah, and then also, mm-hmm. Troy's accent was initially supposed to be like a half Beta Z accent, and then of course, no. The mother had no such accent, so they said, oh no, no, her father was... Uh, Eastern European, then, because maybe. I guess. Yeah. Well, I don't think that they wanted, I don't think they knew they were going to use Michelle Barrett when no, they, they decided on Troy. And when they did, they were like, yeah, no, we're, we're, she could do whatever the heck she wants. So she was Pike's on- first officer. I mean, why would she play another yes. character? And <laughs> she's the ship's computer. And she's a nurse. Yes. And she's been on every incarnation of Star Trek. I think, except yeah. for the J.J. Abrams stuff, I think. Yeah, but That's, we won't go yeah. there. Yeah, we're not. Red Dwarf! But Red Dwarf. Red I Dwarf. wish Michelle Garrett was on Red Dwarf. That would be awesome. That would have been nice. 
Um, so, yeah, I think that about wraps it up for the episode. Um, we will pause for just a second here uh, for an ad. This is an ad for the newest intro cast, which is going to be starting production next year. Coming soon to a podcatcher near you, down below a Babylon 5 intro cast. We will discuss each episode of Babylon 5, all the movies, and possibly a spin-off crusade. Find us on the web at downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast. And we're back, and it is time to look at the feedback and see what some of you thought of Back to Earth Part 3, The Back to Earthening. Um, let's see. We will start with Ewan, who wrote a lot, and I would just encourage you all to go and read that, but I'm going to summarize it here. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ewan feels it's a very strong ending, um, sort of like a Series 7 episode in terms of quality. Uh, he liked the creator scene, um, and he liked the creepy, hilarious Rimmer Butler droids. Uh, the death scene, uh, well done on a budget, uh, but he feels that it was thin on laughs compared to the rest of Red Dwarf. Um, the Blade Runner thing kind of got in his nerves, too, because Blade Runner didn't inspire Red Dwarf's creation. Dark Star did. Uh, both of the writers had said that. Uh, and Dark Star and Dark Star and Dark Star. And there we go. Uh, surprisingly well-informed to have been on the podcast and posted comments for months without having actually seen Red Dwarf. Uh, you don't have to read that comment out. Whoops. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> oh, and there's another one. Okay, so somebody want to read Stephen Fletcher? Uh, I'll do it. Uh, I have to admit, feeling underwhelmed by the whole Back to Earth on first viewing. Didn't really go back to rewatch it. Uh, all the... All straight away, as I've done with every other episode. Part 3 is a little different, however. I was taken aback by the strong emotional scenes involving Lister and Kachansky at the end. The writing is very good as the music. And what makes it for me is Craig Charles's performance. That's what really stood out to yep. me. It brings man tears to my eyes every time I watch it. Uh, man tears are saltier, I think. <laughs> um, and I think it shows how much Craig has grown as an actor. Over the years, BTE has grown on me. And I do enjoy it overall. Um, more now. Overall, I think it's a very strong character arc for Lister. Still not over fond of the Blade Runner stuff, though. Um, Dark Star, Doug contradict himself. Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> can I can I read Phil Baker's? I suppose. Hey. Oh. <laughs> this episode is not a fil- this. Not only filled me with joy, but also made me proud to be a fan. Although the series had been off air for 10 years, the fandom hadn't warned warned me off the DVDs and online community. The episode paid my devotion in spades, and if it had been the last ever Red Dwarf, it would have been a fitting way to to go out. Ah. Mm. Bow out. I read in times. I'll put my glasses on. (laughs) You're fired, Rosie. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> We're docking your pay. <laughs> goes, from abs- goes from zero to absolutely nothing. <laughs> uh, I'll read Ian Symes. I have mixed feelings about the first part of Back to Earth, but part three is superb. Everything about the 
curry sequence is perfection, from Steve McDonald's face to the priory joke. Then in the second half, we have some proper heartstring tugging drama made all the best, made all the better by Craig Charles' incredible performance. Chloe turning up with a genuine surprise, and this reaction chokes me up every time. Plus, my girlfriend's in it. Hmm. I should point out, that's Ian's girlfriend, not mine. (laughs) Uh, Nick Ridley says, Rimmer saying he wanted a sitcom in a biscuit factory rather than a leisure center is a missed opportunity. Uh, I-M-O. In my opinion, but then... But if it's if you're abbreviating for length, why do I you know make it thing, longer but... by writing out E-Y-E? Okay. In my opinion. Don't like Coronation Street, don't have much love for Blade Runner either, and really didn't like uh, the Mencags and Impressions or whatever. Uh, especially from Cat, it feels out of character. Listers, I've been dead for ages, man. Speech is great, um, as is the story of Betty being about Lister getting his groove back. Lister gets his groove back. <laughs> that should have been the subtitle. Back to Earth Part 3, Lister gets his groove back. I love it. Uh, and he kills Bono, uh, so that's a plus. <laughs> he did get the sunglasses. <laughs> I, I gotcha. Uh, someone on G&T had the idea that the ship scene should have had a laugh track, which disappeared when the Dwarfers went to Earth and returned when they did. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the last... Facebook feedback is Cheddarhead. Uh, Cheddarhead says, As with part two, I wasn't very impressed by this Coronation Street stuff especially, but I did like the rumor munchkins and the Chinatown set and the Lister Kachansky stuff near the end is very effective and emotional. We have an email from James Klusky. Uh, who says that BT is a bit of a letdown compared to Back to Earth 2, but still manages to uh, be a roundabout average episode of Red Dwarf. Um, faint praise there, man. Uh, let's see. <laughs> a few less laughs uh, and a few overly long Blade Runner stuff. Yeah. Resolution was satisfactory enough. Uh, no idea Kachansky would appear in the episode, and her appearance was a well-kept secret. Uh, the biggest upshot is that it leaves us with an ending that we would happily have as the last episode of Red Dwarf ever. I agree. Uh, this never came to pass as we thankfully got Series X. I know it's Series 10, but I'm going to call it Series X because it sounds much more mysterious. And hopefully Series XI. But it was a nice, uh, it was nice to go from death getting kicked in the balls for no reason to having a nice optimistic <laughs> ending. Six of ten. <laughs> nice. We have feedback on the Twitters. Uh, Claire Calvert says on the Twitters, I think I would have ranked this higher on the Silver Survey if if there'd been the chance to vote for the whole thing. I do like it, but I find it hard to separate the parts. It's more somber adult dwarf than I'm used to. Uh, But the scene between Lister and Kachansky... Oh, hush. The scene between (laughs) Lister and Kachansky is beautifully played and moving. Plus, the concern of Lister's ship... Uh, crewmates contrasted with the show start shows that they've been brought back together, which is heartwarming. Also, like PTE uh, for leading into Series X. It's not a spoiler to say that personally. Really like Series X. Cool. Well, thank you all for the feedback. And oh, uh, one one more. Oh, Twitters. sorry, sorry, Liz Richards. 
Liz Richards says, congrats, Red Dwarf Intro. You're only one year behind fandom now, (laughs) instead of 25. (laughs) Indeed. I I think X may please you in most ways. A few hiccups. I saw BTE in 2010 after catching up on 15 years of missed seasons first. I did not like it on first viewing. Too somber for me. No love audience put me off to uh, subsequent viewings more favorable. I like the guys aging, dealing with midlife in RD style. Nice. Now, one thing I'm looking forward to once we get done with Series 10 is that Angela and I might try to do a panel at Dragon Con or something now that we can go to the Red Dwarf things without getting spoiled. Exactly. Yeah, that would be fantastic. 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 <laughs> Aboard the night bus. <sighs> and all that. Oh, all sorry. That. No, I was no. just whenever I hear the word fantastic <laughs> now, I automatically hear uh, Chris Eccleston in my head. Oh, Fantastic. yeah. Okay. Yes. Ari loves that. <laughs> um. British people saying it and all that. <laughs> There's a podcast we could try. Brits say the darndest things. No, pro- <laughs> probably not, not going to work. No. Um. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Just messing about, man. All right. So um, <laughs> let's go ahead and go to ratings. Yes. Yes. And, uh, yes. Yes. Well, you know, I'm never going to remember. Um, Rosie, you get to go first. Okay. I love this episode. Well, I love the whole thing because it was the first time we've seen Red Dwarf in a very long time. And as much as people looked older and it was very different, it just had to be. So I am going to give it eight out of ten happy endings. Yay. <laughs> For now. <laughs> Nutty? Um, I I really liked this. Um, as you had said, the the last two parts of this mini series is definitely the best parts. Um and I, I like that it ends on on a good note, you know, that, that Dave takes control of his life and would rather struggle than you know live the fantasy and mm-hmm. and die um and it it's kind of a rebirth so i'm gonna give it nine out of ten car bugs nice you see really this whole thing has been um a metaphor for the allegory of the cave uh and so no not really <laughs> shane what did you think um i as I've said throughout the three parter, as I said, we um, we watched the three parter. I watched the three parter at, at a friend's house. Yes, and we were completely bowed over by the fact that Chloe appeared at the end. Mm. I mean, it was so nobody. As I kept saying, nobody knew, and we we all loved it. I mean, the only thing I the only thing I can equate it to. You and Heath, so you and Angie would know Heath. It's probably seeing um, Paul McGann a few weeks ago in that mini episode yeah, of Doctor yeah. Who, and we yeah. and we were just we were completely bowed over by it, and that was the best moment of this entire three part for me personally, and it still is now. As Ian says, it does definitely pull on your heartstrings. That unattractive actress came back. 
indeed. Indeed. Going back to that. <laughs> so I'm going to have to... So I'm going to have to give this Pacific Pacific episode uh, eight out of ten. Uh, keys and keys inside a locked car. Nice, nice. Love. Um, I had a ball with this episode. Just it was everything I. Everything I like about self-referential humor and uh, in-universe continuity, and it was just a whole heap of fun, and I can easily forget the weaker parts. Um, So I'm giving it a 9 out of 10... um, Way too many uh, broken through glass. Nice. Um, yeah, I I loved this episode quite a lot. And uh, again, as I've said, yeah, I was annoyed with some aspects of of some of the decisions that they made. But the heart of the episode, though, is very very sound. And I really enjoy getting to see <laughs> Lister get his groove back, but. It was almost that sort of moment of uh, self-actualization for Lister. This was sort of his um, uh, Stoke Me a Clipper, where he finally sort of comes to himself and and figures out who he is and who he needs to be, I thought. Um, And I liked that. I've I've been waiting for that to happen. Kind of wish that it had happened two seasons earlier, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so for those moments alone, I'm going to give this eight and a half... Um, how can I, I had it a second ago? One second. Ah, eight and a half awkwardly framed shots of Chloe and Ed. <laughs> and, and now, oh, what? And uh, going over to the silver survey. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> going over to the they, silver they, surfer, Galactus is coming, <laughs> and the Earth is doomed. They rank, they ranked at forty nine. Really? Mm. Again, that's a bit lower than I would have thought. Huh. Uh, they do have. To, they do actually have the um, average points for the multi-part stories wow. so far. So we've got Pete, we've got um, we've got Pete with one thousand three hundred sixty-eight. Uh, back in the red is two thousand six hundred. 2,613 and back to worth 3,146. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Good to know. Oh, explain the Priory, ref- uh, priory reference to me. Um, it's a, a place where you'd go to get clean from drugs. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, so rehab. Yeah. Yes, I, have, I, yeah. I thought it was you like think? a church or a convent. Yeah, that's that's the sense <laughs> I know it in, yeah. I thought it was a set on Coronation Street. That was <laughs> Like my guess. he had to go film. Yeah, I thought maybe he was going to see a clergyman on the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There were various scandals about Craig Charles. Yes, there um, was. Yeah, and uh, so, yeah. yeah, he took it lightly. 
Nice. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> he was, yeah. Ba- uh, he. Uh, yeah, we know some of them. Yeah, he was uh, uh, in two thousand and six. Uh, there was news uh, newspaper allegations of crack cocaine use. Yeah. Which resulted in being suspended from both Coronation Street and his radio show. Uh, in August of that same year, he was arrested and released on bail, pending further inquiries. And in t- 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 September, he accepted a caution for possession of c- a Class A drug. Hmm. Well, I didn't want to hear that. Thanks, Shane. Sorry. But I, I actually <laughs> think they did a pretty good bloody job of um, referencing it and not taking him to the hills completely. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's always a good... I mean, um, Robert Downey Jr. always did a good job with that, sort of owning up to his past. And, yeah. Yeah. Using that for the screen characters. <laughs> yeah. Indeed, and yeah. It might, it might or might not have been true, but, you know. <sighs> yeah, referencing it was a good thing for his character and for the screen, so... Yeah. Cool. Go for it. <laughs> well, let's have some quotes. Yes. Quote time. I got to be honest. I didn't write down a thing. I was just watching this episode. Um, <laughs> I've watched it twice. Um, Rosie, do you have a quote? Okay, I'll go for this. No, I'm pretty cool. I don't take any. Well, if you don't have any you... quotes, that's fine. You don't. Have any... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see where you're going. Okay. Sod off, Heath. <laughs> <laughs> Brits say the darndest thing. Okay. <laughs> I don't take any something. And even though I'm disgusting, sometimes I can be quite brave. You'll never get me. Yes, I will. Oh. Nice. Yes, I will. I hate you, Rosalie. That was my quote. No. Oh, sorry, nothing. <laughs> do you have another, or do you want us to come back to you? Um, hang on. Well, I I was not able to find the exact quote, um, but I will just say I love the whole exchange of when they go into the store and they're trying to speak native and (laughs) Crichton is just way off and at at some point someone says, what a load of numpties, but I can't do any of it. It's just my favorite. Um, So, yeah, does that count? It counts. What what a load of numpties is a really northern thing. Is it? Yeah. (laughs) If only Paul. Oh, where's Paul? (laughs) I miss Paul. Lord of numpties. (laughs) Paul, you have to you have to just record you saying those lines for us. That'd be (laughs) awesome. Nice. Oh, let's see. Shane, what a. What a sh- what about a show about cats? That would never work. <laughs> Shot at Weber. Love it. Oh. Uh, sorry. So, Nettie stole my quote. No, or, or, or Rosie stole my quote, too. So. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I barely quoted. Yeah, no. No, just give me a second. I've got one if you want to keep looking. Yeah. There seems to be some sort of malfunction, sir. 
Good grief. Vandals have stolen the droid's entire hard drive and stuffed envelopes through its voice unit. What kind of place is this? <laughs> Should I go? Why, why are you thinking? Sure. Okay. Oh, wait. I, I've got one. I've got oh, one. Okay. I've got one. Uh, what sort of godforsaken place is this? This is worse than Rimmer World. <laughs> That's exactly the one I was going to read. <laughs> Get <down>. Sorry. <laughs> it's says, my turn then. Lister says it's like where he grew up, except there's less burning cars, but he should have said fewer burning cars. As they are discrete units, so. Yeah, Yeah, but if he said fewer, you would have said that he wasn't in character. Indeed. (laughs) He's a scouse. Deal with Mm -hmm. it. Um, So this is between Craig Charles and Simon Gregson. Uh, Listen, mate, don't mess about. I've got loads of lines to learn, and I've got a massive scene this afternoon. I'm serious, and I know what I saw. Even you were there. I was there. How many have you had? Well, I've had a couple. But listen, I've seen you. That's my favorite. Is I've had a couple. Yeah. Any other quotes? Uh, well, he's not all there, but we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't write them down, but I... Some of the creator dialogue was just hammy enough that, you know, I grew weary of you. (laughs) But how about the rovers? Well, I'll stand at the bottom of our stairs and eat a barn cake. (laughs) No. It's a flowery, bready thing. (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, No, I also really like the whole... um, we can when he he gets into the whole bit of the typing and he starts typoing. Yeah, and it's like we can wit whatever we want. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> reminding me of you, drama. The rest of our yeah. loaves will be, uh, <laughs> yeah, what, hedonistic got, I, wife fulfillment or something like that. I've got one if you don't mind. I mind, but go ahead anyway. <laughs> Would you mind if I ask you a question? In your dreams, did you kiss me? No. Huh. Is that well, it? Are you just making us sad? Yes. <laughs> yes. No. Yes. But yeah, that it was. It was good to see Chloe in that back. But again, a little surreal at being Kachansky, but not Kachansky. Like she was having to play slightly different than Kachansky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it worked. It worked. It totally yeah, and, worked. And these are the scenes when Craig Charles was really acting. Like yes, he you was. really care Tear. for Dave. Yeah. But can I say that I think my Kachansky in my head is very much. <laughs> Kachansky. Oh. My Kachansky. My Kachansky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Please go ahead, Rosie. <laughs> My Kachansky is um, a, a combination between her and Craig Rogan because she's sort of posh but slightly off the wall. Yeah, Claire Rogan so never really playing? stuck with me. 
So where are you? Mm-hmm. When are you going to write your epic fan fiction of Red Dwarf? Who's to say? No, you what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to audition for series eleven. <laughs> oh, so wait a minute! Wait a minute! Your your problem is that you think she's too posh, and you're going to audition. Yes. To make it less posh, presumably. Yes. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> Now, I'll, I'll grant that I haven't gotten this entire whole British accent thing down, but I've got to say, on the scale of posh to not posh, you're, you're, you're closer to the former than, than the latter. Yeah, well, I can bring it off. Don't worry. No, you can't change your accent, honey. You exactly. just can't. Well, no, maybe she can, she can trap it up and, and she just can't American. Yeah. <laughs> American. Yeah, just talk American and you'll be fine, Rosie. Yeah. Didn't you do a podcast about that? Yes. (laughs) Well, your American sounds more Scottish, and she's technically from Scotland. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. Sorry, the part is too posh. Let's bring in Stephen Fry. Bring it down a bit. Okay, mm. folks, thank you for sticking with us as we've meandered about, but have finally reviewed this episode properly. Um, it was a fitting ending, I think, to Series 9. Uh, moving forward, Angela and I will not be with you for the spoiler cast, um, and we will come back after somehow figuring out how we're going to watch Series 10, um, which is not on Netflix just yet. I should point out, Heath, mm-hmm. at this point, I should put, you don't know this. This is great. Um, we, when we did uh, the last spoiler cast, we actually clumped Back to Earth and Season 10 together. Oh, neat. Oh. <laughs> okay. So we'll, be, so we'll actually be back next time and doing Season 10, Episode 1, Trojan. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know that. Nope. Uh, Trojan, you said, is the name of it? Yeah. So we have to come up with what that is. Hmm. Well, let's see. There's the obvious historical meaning of something that seems like a gift but turns out to be a means of one's undoing. There's the computer terminology of it, like a virus, and giving that we do yes. have the Red Dwarf computer itself and Crichton and possibly Holly. No idea if there's going to be a him or her on Series 10. Um, could definitely be a virus. But I tend to think not. I don't think it's going to be a computer Trojan. I think it's going to be more a plot-wise Trojan, uh, bringing something in, hopefully, and it turning on them. I'm going to go with anthropomorphic condoms. Nice. (laughs) And on that note, we will (laughs) be Angela's <laughs> guess is the best thing ever. <laughs> Can that go in your next uh, promo? I'm not sure it should. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know how it fit, but it's just awesome. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Nutty, Rosie, thank you once again for being with us. Okay. Thank you. It's always fun. Yeah. 
and we'll we'll be back soon. Bye. Bye, Bye. everybody.